Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. So today we celebrate Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday is, um, as you know, or or may not know, is um, the day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem, and he's really en route to the cross. Um, he's, he's got his destiny in front of him, and uh, he's really just headed to uh, sacrifice. He's, he's not a victim. He's willingly laying down his life for us, for the forgiveness of sins. And it starts at the city gates. And it starts with Jesus' eyes, we read in the scripture, being um, uh, set like a stone or set like flint towards the city. He's determined. And what I wanted us to focus on this morning, uh, I sense the Lord on for us, is the sense of our expectations and how we expect Jesus to save us and what we expect Jesus to do and how all of that plays into his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem as he's approaching, really, his death. And so in Matthew 21, I wanted to read it from Matthew 21. We read this starting in verse 1. As they approached, the disciples and Jesus, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to the, the Mount of Olives, wasn't that funny, the Olive Garden? Not the restaurant. It was a real Olive Garden. But, you know, salad and breadsticks, come on, fill me up. I love that. Who loves the salad and breadsticks at Olive Garden? Come on, keep them coming. Don't stop that Parmesan cheese. Just keep on cranking. Interrupting scripture for Olive Garden. Okay. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, Tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle or humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did this as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And ask, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
So there's a few things that the Lord, I believe, is wanting us to see in this description of the triumphal entry, of his entrance to the city. The feast of Passover is getting ready to happen. And so there are Jews from all over the ancient world who are pouring into the city of Jerusalem. They'd be coming from miles and miles around. And in those days, as you know, the, Israel was under Roman occupation. And so the Romans or the oppressors or the dominating force in the area would likewise need to beef up security, if you will, in, within the city gates during that time. And it's well documented uh, from Josephus and, and others that during the, the high holidays, the high Jewish festivals, um, the Roman government would flood the town with extra military presence, um, uh, shiny armor, big war horses, and so Rome would have had such more of a bigger presence in the city of Jerusalem than when there wasn't a feast going on. And this is important because of what Jesus is trying to model for us this morning and what I believe that he's trying to show us in the text. And the first big deal kind of thing that what Jesus is doing, not only here, but in his life and ministry, all over his life and ministry, is that Jesus is redefining what power means. You see, on the same day, in the same moment... On the other side of Jerusalem, there's a parade, a procession that's going on. And it's from the Roman Empire. And it would have been filled with pageantry. The, the soldiers would have been dressed to the nines. And they would have been on huge war horses striding into the city. Now, on the other side of the city, as we just read, can you picture it? You know, on, at small group on Wednesday night, Sarah... My wife said, I just want to, for a second, I'd like to see a photo, and you could probably find this on Google. I'm sure you could Google it, and, there, and it's out there somewhere. But a, a photo or this image of a full-grown man on the foal, not just the donkey, which is smaller than the horse, but the foal of a donkey. And so you've got Jesus, the peasant king, with his fisherman friends, on his noble steed, <laughs> journeying into the city. What a sight that would be, right? It's not exactly the picture of, that, that reflects power and strength and courage. It's Jesus on his noble steed, Shrek. Donkey. He's definitely riding donkey into the city of Jerusalem. And so it's not this proje projected image of strength to the world. That's why I say what Jesus here, not just my opinion, but many others, uh, scholars who know a lot more about this passage than I do, say that Jesus is redefining or reshaping the very definition of our understanding of what power, what true power really looks like. It's not a strong arm leader, you know, with edicts from on high, ordering the people around to do his bidding. It's a humble, 
peasant king washing the feet of his disciples, striding in on a donkey, staying up on the cross when others are saying, prove yourself, prove yourself, come down off the cross. If you're really who you say you are, turn stones into bread. Um, uh, if, if you are who you say you are, come down off the cross. Show us that you're God. And Jesus says, nope. I'm staying up because Jesus is here to redefine the very idea of what true power looks like. And he did that. And he's doing it here again. He's redefining what power and what servanthood looks like. As the Thomases led us so beautifully this morning in communion and reminded us that Jesus is the ultimate servant leader. If you want to know what leadership looks like, you need to look no further than the person of Jesus. And that's why at Vineyard Cleveland we strive to be servant leaders. People who bend low to wash the feet of the city. When we say bring life to the city, that's an encouragement. Our vision statement is an encouragement to serve others. We're not talking about this kingdom of God talk that's going to, we're going to take over the city for God and in the name of Jesus, we're just going to ride in. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus gave up his life and died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. He served the city. He didn't dominate it. For our sakes. That's amazing, you guys. Just about who Jesus is. And so he's redefining power. He's redefining servanthood for us. And what that looks like. And this narrative is in all four... Um, the story, rather, is in all four versions of the gospel narrative. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each tell it a little bit differently... But the details are all there. And I believe that it's there in all four Gospels for us um, because of the disciples' encouragement to us. You know, Cleveland, Ohio, 2023, reading it afresh this morning to place ourselves within the story. There's a lot of different characters and a lot of different things and aspects that are happening here as Jesus rides in on his noble steed. Tons, tons of characters. It's like the prodigal son story that Jesus tells. You know, you've got the older brother, the younger brother, um, the wealthy family, the father. Um, uh, you've got all kinds of different characters to kind of project in, into or onto our own lives. And I believe there is some intention with the way, one, that Jesus sets this whole scene up. Because you know Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. And so he set it up to be this way, that he would ride in. You know, it's, it, and that's a nod as well to prophecy. Even from the book of Zechariah, we see that there is a prophecy of Jesus hundreds of years before this scene even happens. Of Jesus riding in on a donkey humbly to forgive us of our sins. So this is prophecy being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Hundreds of years prophesied. And Jesus is riding in. And there's all these different groups that are around. 
There's Jews from all over who have gathered in the city of Jerusalem. And they're cutting down palm branches and they're throwing down their cloaks and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us. And it's emphatic. It's save us now. And you've got the Roman authorities, and they're kind of looking in from the outside. What is this all about? We read that the city is stirred. Who is this guy? What's going on here with this band of followers? What's happening here? So you've got a ton of different groups that are intermingling at the gate of the city, and Jesus is is coming into town, and the Jews are shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us and save us now. And this morning, I want to throw a nod to both, uh, I, I believe, both sides of the same coin and how we place ourselves in the story as worshipers of Jesus. We, in our lives, shout to Jesus, save us. There are situations that are going on in your life and in my life where we pray and we shout to God, save us, save us now. And a lot of times when we pray this, we start to... um, formulate a projected outcome onto this prayer of what we think it's going to look like for Jesus to save us. And how many of you know, through past prayer experiences, (laughs) that Jesus rarely, if ever, saves us the way that we think he's going to save us? I say hardly ever, but it's never the way. I'm just trying to be gracious. It's never the way that we think. Jesus always shows up in ways that are contrary to the way that we think that he's going to show up. Always. And this isn't just in the triumphal entry. This is all over his life. All over through his ministry. We want Jesus to speak up and he's silent. We want Jesus to shut up and he won't quit talking. Stop it. Stop it! Don't tell me to quit sinning. I like it. It's like, stop. We're like, Jesus, come down off the cross. There's got to be a better way. He's like, nope, staying up here. Don't have to prove anything. And in the same spirit, I believe that the people of Israel and us, even in our day, on the other side of the cross and the resurrection, are shouting to Jesus, save us, save us, save us. And Jesus says, not like that. Not like how you think. And so this is my encouragement this morning. Is to look for hope and to look for salvation to, to spring up and surprise you in ways that maybe you would least expect. Because that's always the way it comes. Um, disillusionment always precedes hope. Always. I don't know if that's been your experience, but that's mine. Disillusionment always precedes hope. The cross has to come before the resurrection. In the same way, you can't have resurrection without a grave. 
And so Jesus is um, almost not messing, not like a trickster. He's not like that. But these people are, Hosanna, save us now, save us now. And what they're thinking is that in a couple days' time, the Roman government will be toppled. They'll be free to live as they choose without Roman rule. And Jesus will sit as king on the throne. And that's just the way it's going to be. There are many in the crowd who are like, all right, let's go. Sign me, draft me. I'm ready. I'm ready to take up arms. You know, Simon the Zealot being one of those before he follows Jesus. He would be in a sect that would say, let's go. I'm, re I'm ready for revolu revolution now. You know, overthrow Rome. And Jesus is like, nope, not like that. Not like that. But the salvation that Jesus brings, how many of you know, is far better than anything that we could ever imagine of what heaven on earth looks like or what deliverance in our hearts looks like. Jesus says, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to do it with a sword. I'm not going to do it with a spear. I'm not going to do it with war horses. I'm not going to do it with tanks or bombs or guns. The way that I'm going to do it is that I'm going to willingly lay down my life for each individual man and woman and child and say, as you receive that gift of grace and forgiveness that's offered, that you become a new person and you become part of a new nation. You come out from that old nation that you used to belong to and you become a citizen of a new kingdom. And that new kingdom is made up of men and women, of people who are, have their lives um, drastically transformed, turned upside down by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The new kingdom, a new race of people who only claim Jesus as Savior, who have their idea of power and of servanthood flipped on their head, the upside down kingdom, and that's really what this message here in Matthew 21 is all about. There's a message in um, Philippians. It's, it's highly regarded as the first song, the first Christian song or, or hymn to Jesus in Philippians 2. And we sang it this morning. It's called the kenosis. And what it says is that Jesus made himself low. Jesus got low. And he made himself lower than a servant to take on the sins of the world on his back and die for us at the cross so that he would be exalted, that he would defeat the power of death, that ain't no grave holding his body down. He would rise from the grave so that we might have forever life with him. And that's really what I think Palm Sunday is all about is Jesus once again modeling humility for us, that he's the gentle king. He's not the king who overlords with, with rules and regulations and, um, and all of that. He's the king who comes with open hands, who's come to serve and not be served. He's a king that's come to, be ser uh, to, to serve and not be served. What kind of king is this? Do we have any other leaders who model this for us in today's day and age? 
No one is like this. Every king wants to be served. Every king wants to be served. Jesus came to serve others, not to be served. That's astounding in and of itself that there's actually a leader who doesn't care about himself. It's beautiful. It's refreshing for us to see. And it, and it encourages us to, to await with readiness his return. That this king didn't stay in the grave. He, did, he didn't stay crucified. But that he was given the highest place in heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He is risen. He is alive. And he's coming back for his people. And one day, all of those kings who are on the throne now, and one day all of those kings who have come through the past, one day they will be overthrown and Jesus is coming back to show what true kingship looks like. To judge in righteousness and truth and compassion and love and, and peace never ending and joy and hope never ending in the person of Jesus, our true King. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. <laughs>